friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Heidelin and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Hello, Jen. <laughs> Today, we are starting our coverage of the Coils of Bahamut. Woo! In this episode, we'll be talking about the backstory of coils and mechanical generalities. Yeah, just just warming it up. Next, we have a special announcement. <coughs> we have started up a tip jar through Patreon. Yeah. We had some some folks ask about a tip jar situation to support the show and that's like a really tremendous fucking thing to um ask after to be honest uh which is which is amazing um and at the same time we were tossing around the idea of a little like casual spin-off show and we thought like well the timing of that is is kind of perfect so we would launch both of those things at the same time right so just to be clear we are not and have no plans to monetize pod return never ever no so this is because we love this game and the community Doing it for free, happy to. Correct. Nothing yes. is going to be lost <laughs> behind a paywall. No, no, no. Um, the only thing you're missing out on um, is like stupid shit. <laughs> if you'd like to throw a buck or two our way um, to help defray our operating costs, then here you go. Uh, it is patreon.com slash pod return FFXIV. And um, we'll have a link to it in the show notes as well. And with that, you will get our monthly-ish bonus show called Surface Slap. Uh, yes, that's a fishing reference. And it's a it's a short, casual format. We don't have, you know, outlines or notes. And we just talk about, you know, Final Fantasy XIV adjacent content, stuff that won't fit into the normal um, pod return show, like seasonal events, paraphernalia, and other stuff. All kind of spinoffs from fourteen. It's pretty much just like a thank you show to anyone who does feel inclined to throw a dollar or two our way and an outlet for some of the dumb ideas, which we, we can't fit here because we're trying to get through like 10 years of story content. Yeah, but still, it feels like something we, we like we needed. <laughs> we needed a space to talk about dumb shit. So anyway, again, that link is patreon.com slash pod return FFXIV. Thank you in advance if you do take a look. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So first off, for the completely uninitiated, what is Coils? Coils. The Binding. Coils is the game's first attempt at a raid series. We get one raid series per expansion, though the devs have vastly refined their formula between Coils and the current day raids. Consequently, though, these instances, the fights in Coils, are very mechanically janky and inconsistent. Mm -hmm. Some are super easy, some are extremely difficult. Yeah. I call them instances because some turns are similar to trials, whereas other turns are more like dungeons. Yeah. In modern raids, though, every single fight is just a boss fight. It's like a trial. We can gripe about the trial raid terminology in a separate episode. <clears throat> Regardless, though, um, after the first couple sets of raids, they are just fight series. There's no dungeon-esque things mm -hmm. going yeah, on. Yeah, you just like show up to a boss fight. Yep. Yeah. So going forward, though, I will call each individual instance of coils a turn because that is how the game refers to them. Each coil has four to five turns, 
aka four to five separate instances within the given coil. In current raids, fight difficulty is fairly normalized, and I'd say they are pretty accessible too, though of course everyone has their own skill level. But even if you're having a rough time with a given fight, you can be carried through it. There's no need for every person to perform their steps perfectly. You can die, you can someone can mess it up entirely, someone can AFK, and mm-hmm. you can still clear the fight. That's not true, though, for many of these, which require everyone to do their part to resolve a mechanic correctly. God. That's only for some of them, though. Some of them are like snoozes, so it's real fucking weird. Yeah, what's what's the one that's the big, the big fuck you? Is that the third? What's the big fuck you? The, on the hand. That's the fifth one. Oh, okay. Um, that is Binding Coil Turn 5. Okay. We'll be there next time. Great. Yeah. Yeah, that one's a fuck. It one is a fuck. <laughs> we'll be there soon. <laughs> In general... The last fight, the last turn of a given coil is the, quote, fuck. (laughs) It's really weird because they they tend to be pretty easy by current standards until you get to the final turn. Then fuck you. Welcome to like some savage tier difficulty. Yes. Like this needs, it needs like communication, coordination. Yes. You need to know your moves, where to stand, where not to stand. Yeah. It's, it's intense. Because of these idiosyncrasies i'd recommend playing through the series with a high level character unsynced sometimes it's easier to have multiple characters some mechanics benefit from multiple people on the map regardless though find an unsynced party because the story should not be missed but the fights though are very janky the story is worth it yeah don't miss the story even if you are are quote cheating on the fights by going through on like level 90 or something right it is somewhat of a blessing that they haven't locked the story is part of the is part of the MSQ, but it, it, they've they've locked the story behind like some really difficult content. It's, it's optional, but it's still you should absolutely get this get this story and so do it and whatever you got to do, just, yes. just do it. But yeah, it's it's hard. And the devs have expressed interest in redoing coils to make it more accessible and more in line with other content. That'd be great, but until that happens, we got to do what we got to do. Indeed. Any other overview points, Jen? Uh, no, not really. Um, Great. Yeah. So, on now to the story. The story. This is another event that was kicked off by the A Realm Reborn finale, where a soldier runs up and goes, A primal has awakened! <laughs> and then Mordona begins to vibrate. Yep. Cool. This thing, whatever's happening in coils, is what is causing that tremor, though. Yes. This is the source of it. The other things that have kind of been kicked off by that event are more kind of surrounding symptoms. At the Waking Sands, we have recently completed the A Recurring Problem questline with the Hard Difficulty Primals. This is the prerequisite for this quest. You do not have to do the extremes. Don't do not do that mistake, that poorly explained breakpoint. Like, I did these, now I guess I gotta do these? No. Incorrect. 
So now Orion J has a quest for us called Primal Awakening. He tells us that with the defeat of Garuda, Ifrit, and Titan, hard, (laughs) the previously observed tremors have intensified. There may be some connection between the dispersed either from the deaths of those primals and the strengthening of this fourth unknown primal. Urian J expects that this being will soon become a scourge upon the land, but a benevolent soul did arise, one who would forestall this threat. Though she be tender in years, she is true of heart and steadfast of resolve, and she has solicited our aid. Hie thee to Wineport, where thy petitioner doth await. Thou shalt certainly find her visage strikingly familiar. Huh. I wouldn't blame... It's Tatru! <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I, I would not blame anyone for not knowing what the fuck's going on here, because said visage is not a very familiar one if you've been playing this for the first time. Correct. It's been some time. Well, it's familiar because we see it in the other guy. That's why it's familiar. Sure. Because they're twins. Thank Spoilers! you, Spoilers! Wow, you just ruined it. No, no, no. I... I I, I, I assume we're not going to. Uh, yeah, we're going to Google that out for sure. Oh, it's, it's in two seconds. I know. Are you being facetious? No, no, no. Like, it's all part of the lead up, you know? Nope, the reveal late. is the reveal. You blew it. Jin blew the spoilers wide open. No, no, no. It's open. only blown if when Levi edits this, he keeps that shit in for, for spiteful reasons. I will make you own your <laughs> blasted spoiler load. Oh <laughs> Couldn't hold it in, Jin. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to take us Clean to the now oh, reveal? Okay. Oh my god. Wow, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this somewhat cryptic message by Uriange, which is every fucking message by Uriange. Um, we are going to head to Wineport to meet up with this mystery individual. And we get there and holy shit, it's Alfino. No, no, no. It's red Alfino. Um, it's Alize, and we haven't seen her since she stormed out of the quicksand a million years ago. By red alphano, you mean like red hair bow alphano? Correct. Everything else is the exact same thing as alphano. Their ear cuffs are on opposite ears. Oh, excuse me. The jewels me. in her outfit are pink instead of aqua. Um, and yes, her hair tie is red instead of blue. So yeah, it's Alize, and she has been, while we have been dealing with primal shit, what she has been doing is, uh, well, since we defeated Ultimate Weapon and brought down the, the Empire and Eorzea, she's been looking after this phenomenon, this 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 thing that like awakened um, after we destroyed the Ultimate Weapon. The etheric readings that she has been taken have revealed patterns. So every time a primal is felled, you know, it's Ifrit, it's Titan, it's Gruda, she has noticed the same, suddenly there's like this waveform that she reads coming out of this location the waveform pattern that she has seen is very eerily similar to that that was seen immediately preceding the calamity in addition this these these this pulsing or whatever is coming from one particular location so when dalamud fell obviously this wreaked havoc across the realm it destroyed the face of the realm and the base of the realm. So all of these etheric currents that, like, you know, we have in our own planet, we've got, you know, climate patterns and things like that. Um, we have wind that goes from left to right. We've got jet streams and all of that that regulate the movement of air and water and all of that. So the so does the ether on Hydaelyn. So after the Calamity, all of this shit got fucked up. 
So now we don't have these, the standard like flow, ebb and flow of ether underneath. Now we have these random ass dense pockets of ether and that has created weaknesses in the actual earth. And now we have these massive caverns under the earth, these subterranean like mazes because right. well, the ether is all fucked up. Caverns have formed where the ether has condensed. Correct. Yeah. It's just like eaten away at the earth. And so the biggest one is underneath castrum oxidens and this is just outside of Wayneport. obviously well yes so guys van belzar he chose this location very much on purpose so he locked that shit down so he and the empire and the empire's researchers could go in to these um like underground into these enormous caverns of corrupted crystal allegan relics um so much of dalamud has ended up here this is a huge boon for them and this is they have prime access they've cut it off to everybody else and they can go in and do their research and you know whatever it is that the empire does um so now we want in or rather alize wants in because she feels that their mysteries of the calamity will be solved within these caverns she notes also that her grandfather louis and his efforts to contain Bahamut's emergence from the falling Dalamud. She wants to know what happened there, actually. And, right. and the reasoning for her bringing this up is not quite clear. This is kind of odd. She says this now and not later on because, I mean, you can draw a connection, yes, where she's got this stuff in mind because it's all about the calamity and these changes in Aether readings. But I, I'm not aware of any mystery that connects these caverns and Louisois at this exact time. She is know. making the connection because of her etheric readings, because the patterns are the same. So the patterns noticed around the calamity, and I, now I understand that. The same. So she's it, assuming like this is her this is her preliminary hypothesis. It's very odd to me that she would make the conclusion that she could solve the mystery of where is Grandpa as from... as a child levilleur. You you don't think you you understand why she's so fucking confident. Because she's a love year. That's why. Obviously. Thanks, mm -hmm. Jen. All right. There we go. Yeah, done. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> she's a woman of action. argument, Jen. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 honestly my my impression is that, you know, she's got she has this level of experience and education and she has made this connection on her own. Whether it's right or wrong, we will find out, but she feels very strongly about it. Yes. I just think it's a bit too prescient when that could be a evolving theory oh, sure. in like a hot second. Sure. That's yeah. all. No, she's, uh, I totally agree. But, you know, she's, she's confident. She's Take like, well, you know, she's, she has, she's a very young person with a very advanced degree. And in the course of pursuing that degree, she has had to make like statements and follow it up with research and figure it out. So like she's, this is, she's working very academically here. Well, speaking of statements, this is where she lays out the whole kind of arc of the Coils story. She says that she wants the truth of what happened during the Seventh Calamity, what happened to Louis Swa, and what drove the metamorphosis of the land itself following the Calamity. Some high stakes being laid out immediately For real. Yeah. in this quest line. This is, she's, she's wanting to uncover like all the things. And... In solving these mysteries, she can cure what ails the world, hopefully. Yeah, so that's that's a lovier twin. Yeah, so thing. as we recall from back in the day when she stormed off from the quicksand, Alphano had wanted to 
exact change from within the system. But Alice said, no, fuck that. I'm going to follow my heart. I'm going to do what, what I think is right. And she stormed off and the Goombas chased after her. <laughs> the Goombas are bodyguards or whatever. Well, who knows? At an unknown location. She's, no, she's excused them. They're back at mom and dad's I, house. I don't look, recall, but I wonder if we like never see them again. Because those guys were voiced, I'm pretty sure, in that cutscene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they may have just been like locals who were hired um, just to keep an eye on the twins while they're like out running around. Well, as they- opposed to like... They were following her specifically, though, not Alpha No. I- I'm just saying it's surprising that these characters who they cared enough about to voice in that cutscene are-, are now off the table entirely. Yeah. Uh, they- I mean, they don't really fit in here. You I, know, I don't, once I don't we... warn them. I'm just no, noting that. No, I know. That, I, yeah, I yeah. get it. Okay. Um, and also, I mean, it-, it did also inform their characters, the fact that these are like hella privileged rich yep. kids with their own fucking team of bodyguards and, and i wonder what? though because alphano says when we talked to him during the rising stones quest line how he's had alize being minded or something so maybe he hired them himself <sighs> that would be something he would do but we don't again know how she slipped the leash there she may have just talked him down like get the fuck away from me forever or i'll tell my I, you know like either way it it seems kind of on brand yeah. So anyway, though, what we know about Alize so far is that she clings to her own convictions and she is convinced, rightfully or wrongfully, we don't know, right. as to the morality and justification behind her actions. No, she's 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 made her mind up about this and she's going to forge ahead. Yep. That's it. Done. The first step here is to investigate the depths of this cavern to find the truth. This is the one below Castrum Occidens. And she grudgingly admits that she alone is not powerful enough for this venture. And so, loath though she may be to ask for our help, she does need our assistance. Mm-hmm. So we now venture into the stronghold. We will report our findings to Storm Private Jabroka. Jabroka? Jabroka. Jabroni. No, it just... It's... Do you want to contribute something besides sass, Jen? No. Okay. She it's is Jabro- like Jabroni. She's Jabroka. She's Jabroka. Agreed. All right. Storm Private Jabroka in Wineport. She will be assisting Alize in this investigation. The aforementioned private is a recent recruit to the Maelstrom. She stands watch at the Wineport gates if you talk to her, she gripes about how her first posting was right next to an Imperial Castrum. Talk about drawing a short straw. I guess. But, you know, you're like right next to the shit, potentially. That's not a good thing for people who are not the warrior of life, Jin. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Check your privilege, I know, Jin. right? I'm like, what? What's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, the quest says to fight our way through Castrum Occidens to the caverns a location with level 50 enemies. However, we can life hack our way through because all characters now can fly. Yep. So we just uh, fly over the top, maybe fight a couple vanguards at the entrance itself, yep. and then we observe the surrounds. We can see past a metal gate, there is a slope going downwards into this mountainside, like little gully, that is bursting with corrupted aether crystals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like a labyrinth of crystal. Yep. Then we say, okay, cool. Cool crystals, yo. Then we leave. Go see Jabroka. Like, unlock the gate. 
I guess. So there is an explanation for what's going on here, but it's very strange. Like, it feels like we should fight our way through, then go inside, you know? Probably, yeah. Like, that would be the dramatic thing to do. Fight Fight our way way through this fortress and then gain access to these caverns below, not say, cool cavern, bro, leave. Right. And and maybe find, like, an alternate way in, as opposed to, like, having to fight your way through the castrum every single time. Yeah. Well, what Jabroka does, though, is that she says with her Maelstrom connections, she has access to scattering reports. Correct. And so can find us a shortcut that leads to the entrance. Perfect. With the way it appears now, I feel like we didn't need to do the scouting mission. But if you decompress the landscape from like the abstracted Final Fantasy fourteen zones into what it actually might be, with the castrum being more than like literal stones throw away from Wineport, right? Then it's probably bigger and probably has more square footage it covers. So it might be more necessary to actually find which part of the castrum do we need to sneak into through shortcuts. Sure. So the entrance, though, to the instance is right by Jabroka outside Wineport. And we have unlocked the first turn of the binding coil. Woo! We basically descend via elevator, just like we do in Prey. This enormous garlean platform that descends deep into the earth. Right. It's a diagonal elevator shaft. Yep. Like the Gaius fight. Exactly. And we find ourselves at a bit of a, a bit of a landing. There's lots of garlean tech here, um, platforms, staircases, machinery, etc. It's not, but the vibe reminds me of like an oil platform kind of. Yeah. Because it's like this square platform covered with these tall structures around it. Yes. And it's it's very much like laid into a uh, really nasty environment. Yep. So it's um, like jagged stone, a bunch of corrupted crystal. So they've had to like, you know, shove this infrastructure in wherever they could to get like deeper into yeah. this whole installation. And if we look behind us up the elevator shaft, we cannot see the surface. We are... It takes about three and a half minutes to get down, right? We don't know. <laughs> are, you, are you making a joke? I, I'm, I'm confused. This is a prey reference. This because that's how long it takes for guys I, to do I gotcha. a speech. I gotcha. I understand. It's a, it's a long <laughs> road, is all I'm saying. I had not memorized that timestamp, so sorry, Jen. I don't know how my accurate B. it is. I just pulled that out of my ass. So, <laughs> so we are at the exploratory site, 237 yams in. So I guess that is how long the elevator ride would be. Alize makes um, an observation at how thick the ether is here like she can scarcely breathe because of it there are bits of dalamud visible like immediately in here there's there's shards of it and we also see an allegan defense node floating like it's these things are still active and no doubt this is this was this was part of i mean this this is a bonus right when the empire got down here and they're like oh shit cool allegan tech well i don't know actually if they got any further because this thing is still standing guard you know what and past this point we don't see anything yep so from the platform itself we can see this kind of partial short irregular tunnel that is pure corrupted crystal mm-hmm. at the end of the tunnel there is a chunk of dalamud it is one of those elegant 
like wall pieces with the circuit board like lights on it that is still glowing a bright blue. Mm-hmm. Before that, this will be a very common enemy going forward. It is a perfect orb that is bisected in the middle so it can like open up horizontally. Mm-hmm. And it is covered likewise in circuit board like lights. These guys come in all colors. They can be like, you know, black orbs, silver orbs, green lights, red lights, whatever. Big, small. Yep. This guy here, though, this is a black orb with red circuitry type lights on it. Classic. This is an ADS, an Elegant Defense System. Mm-hmm. And this is our very first fight of the turn. Yeah. We will run into a few ADS nodes with the same mechanics as this one with a few variations. They're pretty straightforward. Besides a few ground marker AoEs to dodge, they have a fast casting but interruptible ability called High Voltage, which is a raid-wide damage and paralysis debuff. The most noteworthy thing here for these guys is that their AoEs are very fast casting. You need to be ready to dodge them immediately or you will be clipped by their AoEs, even though they are telegraphed on the ground. Like barely, but yeah. When we defeat the node, the chunk of elegant structure that was at the back of this it was like passage. A, there's a yeah, there was a gap in the crystal, but this piece of Dalamud was completely blocking it off. Well, you could not you had to get past the node. What's interesting though is that it lowers like its design that way. It, exa- yeah, like it's a door. It, it's very weird that there'd be the, this perfectly functioning door inside this overgrown, corrupted crystal everywhere. Regardless, though, we kill the node and the door falls. Chunk lowers. It lowers at a very smooth pace and sits perfectly flush inside some sort of floor receptacle. Elegans, man. I know, right? They thought of everything. They thought of everything. Beyond that, we get into another very claustrophobic, corrupted crystal corridor with chunks of Dalamud everywhere embedded yep. in the walls. Yep. So now basically like we're in, right? We go a little bit further in, a little bit of a maze path, and then suddenly the entire thing just opens up into um, an unfathomably large cavern. This place, you cannot see the far reaches. It's covered in this corrupted either mist, mm-hmm. choking clouds of floating either hanging in the air that bar visibility to the far extents of the but it is far yes it's real far and essentially like the ceiling of this entire cavern is one wing of bahamut right this thing is enormous yeah it's kind of become calcified with corrupted crystal Mm -hmm. and there are tendon like extensions running from the wing to the cavern walls like it's kind of grown into the cavern itself exactly yeah, like where the wing ends and the crystal begins, it's hard to tell sometimes. Yep. And at this point, Alice wonders, if the primal was slain, how does the body remain corporeal? Uh-huh. Something is odd here. Uh-huh. Did Louis Swa not actually defeat the primal or is something else going on? And yeah, how is it that both of them just disappeared off the face of the planet? Like just there was no there was no like quote unquote defeat. They just disappeared. Yep. So now we've got body parts of Bahamut underneath the ground here. So this is where I would drop in the the connection between Louis Swa and this quest line. From Elise's perspective, there's now evidence that something amiss happened so, yeah, when the, she's like, there's a mystery and we're like, is there though? And then we get down here, we're like, oh shit, no, this is a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. One more piece of evidence, Elise, then you can drop your master theory. Right. Regardless though, <laughs> as we are talking about this wing that spans this giant chamber. So the party plus Elise. 
just at the entrance of this massive fucking cavern. And so while she's speaking, behind us on a ledge, suddenly there's a figure of a man. An older Elizan man, can you even tell? Yeah, you can see the ears. Okay. An older Elizan man in, um, you know, like a, a typical Acton. Alize senses something, she looks behind, and there's nothing there. Apparition, something. It's just the, 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 a trick of the ether. Anyway, we move on. So we press on into the cavern. Besides the wing and corrupted crystal, there are also innumerable floating elegant pillars. Yeah, is this is this part of the interior structure of Dalamud that is just that persists? Down I, here? I don't think so. I think it's more the shit just kind of went into like autonomous mode. Dalamud itself is ruptured, but obviously there are pieces everywhere. Right. We see these like floating platforms that look like hexagonal columns. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the center of the chamber, this is where we'll be walking pretty soon, there are several of these elegant columns that have been fused together or like at least tethered together by corrupted crystal. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to traverse these columns in the middle of the chamber. And here we run into some trash mobs. So it's a bunch of just like regular ass enemies. Mantises. Just normal animals that came down here apparently. Their name though is Dark Matter Creature. Yes. Like dark matter, mantis, whatever. Yeah. So I'm assuming there also are either corrupted creatures. Yes. But these are just like regular ass trash enemies. Yeah. Just like a normal dungeon run, but eight mm-hmm. people. Yeah. This portion is a little bit maze-like. Yeah. The path is not quite clear as to where you need to go to get to the next boss fight. And there are a couple dead end branches. But if you do want the, you know, mapping the realm achievement, you're going to have to pursue one of these dead ends. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hold on a second. Let me just go see this other path down here, which led to nothing. But that's when I got the achievement for mapping the realm. So thanks for that. Nice. Down the critical path, we eventually reach the boss arena. This is atop several elegant platforms. The boss is called Caduceus, a cobra-like snake with a glowing underbelly and wing-like appendages coming off its upper body. Caduceus isn't too bad of a boss. Like many snake enemies, it's got the whip back ability, which is a backwards pointing cone AoE that resolves fairly quickly. So like for most snake enemies in the game, at least like the tough ones, I'm thinking of a few as well and some more recent content. You do not want to be directly behind them because they will whip you with that tail. Caduceus also spits a poison ground puddle. Don't stand in it, obviously. Right. On some occasions, the elegant pillars on the arena will light up. You don't want to be on the pillars that are glowing. They will gotcha. Besides those kind of overall notes, Caduceus has a soft enrage. This is a stacking debuff called Steel Scales, which increases its damage dealt by quite a bit. These will tick up during the fight gradually at first, but they will start to stack up very quickly once his clone is killed. Speaking of clones... 
for the first third of the fight, Caduceus is alone. Then, though, he will split into two. You want to separate this guy and his clone with the two tanks pulling them apart because they will try to remerge. And if they do, they will hit that soft and rage real, real fast. So separate the clones. Beyond that, though, it's pretty much one of those things where you want to damage them all at the same pace because if a clone dies, the other one will gain steel scale stacks at a fast pace. So pretty much split your damage between the two different snakes as you're working through them. That's it mainly. Our group kind of brute forced this without much trouble, but if you want to do it properly or if like you're on min eye level or if you're 10 years ago, then... <laughs> Definitely you... email us if you're from 10 years ago. <laughs> At yahoo.com <laughs> check out our geocities 10 years ago was 2013 okay we definitely had google that anyway during this mechanic there will be slimes that spawn dark matter slimes if you are not able to keep up with the steel scales buffs then you will want to feed these slimes to caduceus because each time it or its clone eats a slime then it loses one stack of steel scales. Mm. However, it will heal for the slime's health. So what you want to do is you want to edge the slimes to the brink <laughs> of death, and then you feed them to Caduceus. Then it'll heal like a little bit, but lose a stack of steel scales. Good to go. Nice. That's the fight. Well, when we kill the guy, he dissipates into like dark ether. This is dark matter. Like what's, what's yeah. over that? Um. What is up with that? <laughs> you know, like, why isn't it, like, normal? Why is it void, voids I'm, and shit? I'm assuming it's from the corruption in here. Because, again, the creatures were called they're over, dark they're, matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're just overloaded with one ether type in particular. Yeah. So it's, okay. That tracks. That's fine. I, it might be clarified later on. I honestly don't recall. But that tracks as well. It's that their they're ether's all fucked up yeah. by being down here. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be weird. Okay. Anyway, um, once we beat the boss, we can nab its treasure coffers. These contain gear and some special Allegan crafting materials for making replica Allegan armor, mostly for glamour these days, of course. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever gotten these before. I, I certainly never messed with them the, the first time through. Well, they are worth like shit all on the market board. Oh. I think they, they're sellable, but they're not worth much. We then step onto an Allegan transporter, mm -hmm. and that's where we leave off for today. Ooh. All right, so it begins. Any comments on that first leg? Um, I I'm glad to have done it because it's it's been a really long time. Um, again, I've never done this whole series like legitimately. It was never done synced. It was an unsynced as like blue made shit, and it was very rushed. And so I am super excited to do this the right way. I also totally forgot about the appearance of Mystery Man. Totally forgot about that. You mean that one scene or that, him being that, here in no, general? No, 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 that one scene. Well, fair. I mean, I wouldn't expect you to recall all the little twists yeah, no, and turns. Yeah, no, this is, is going to hit me completely differently this time. Nice. Yeah. Um. So, like, I'm, I'm really stoked. I, I loved the introduction to this, the massive cavern with the Wing of Bahamut. Knowing everything that I know now after a second run and, like, doing the deep dive on the lore and everything like that, the fact that a, a what was once thought as a primal uh that it's bits and pieces are still like they still exist in real space the fuck is that about at least one wing at least a wing which is something and like a you one know, wing bahamut <laughs> that's awkward um but we you know because we just did odin the fact that like something remained that means something so yes i'm 
I'm all in. We truly have more to learn about primal nature, Jen. We sure do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, next time we are going to be finishing off the rest of Binding Coil. So we'll see you then. With that, that concludes this episode. Um, thank you for listening. I'm sure we're all very excited about this little mini series. Um, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com. Uh, check the show notes for Discord details if you want to join our Discord. Um, have conversations, share screenshots, join group runs all of that fun stuff um and uh yeah we hope you enjoyed the episode have a good day or night and we will see you next time